Chelsea. Good morning. If we have never had the privilege to meet, my name is Ada Simpson, and it is an honor and a privilege to speak to you this morning. I'm so excited about the subject that I'm bringing to you today. But before I get started, I just want to celebrate this past week, Pastor Kat Cunningham became an ordained minister in the Assembly of God. If you do not know beautiful Kat, she is the precious wife of Pastor Josh, and they do our children's ministry, and they are absolutely phenomenal with our kids every week. So that was a huge, huge win. Another thing is on Tuesday nights, we have prayer. Every Tuesday night, right here in the sanctuary. And this past Tuesday, we had 30 people in here in the room praying, but it's not just that because at the, usually we walk around and pray or we stay and pray however the, the Lord leads you. But at the end, Pastor Jason called everyone forward. We were standing in a circle and we just began to sing together. We were praying together in one accord. There was words of knowledge released, prophecy. There was healing that took place. There was a teaching that took place. So we had church, y'all. We had church here on Tuesday night. So I just want to encourage you, if you have, if you are not plugged into any small groups or anywhere else, Tuesday nights, anybody can join us. We'd love to have you pray. So if you are anything like me, I grew up in the church. I grew up um, going to a Pentecostal church, and I remember very early on um, people running around the church doing Jericho marches, shouting, singing, like crazy stuff would happen, y'all. And that wasn't so scary until they started to talk about the Holy Ghost. Like, you got the Holy Ghost? And as a child, I didn't want the Holy Ghost. Ghosts scared me. So, I, I mean, I would, like, hide and run, and I didn't want anything to do with the Holy Ghost. I would just wait till the Holy Ghost left. But if you, like, we have a wrong perception so many times in the church. And I know we are in a room full of people, and there are some of you that have an amazing knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit here this morning. But there are some of you that are questioning that you want more. You want to know more. And there are some of you that are scared of it, just like I was. I mean, you don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. So I felt impressed to bring this message this morning because I, I think it's something that's so needed for the body of Christ. We need this foundational teaching on who the Holy Spirit is. So hopefully this morning I'm going to be able to introduce you to who he is. We're going to unpack scripture together, so get ready. There's a lot of scripture. I hope you'll take notes, read them all later, because there is so much in the word of God about the testimony. As a matter of fact, if we took the Holy Spirit out of the New Testament, there would be hardly anything there be like that much. So the Holy Spirit is all throughout scripture in the Old Testament and New Testament. So we're going to begin this morning reading in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So we see here, even at the creation, the foundation of this world, the Holy Spirit was there working with Father God. They were creating. He was there. We also see Holy Spirit in the Old Testament in many other places. I think there are around 17 other places in the Old Testament where we see Holy Spirit working in the lives of men and women. Um, usually that he would come to them temporarily. It was for maybe a specific task or a specific purpose. We see even in the life of King David where the Holy Spirit dwelt with him. He, um, he said in Psalm 51, he said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And then we see people like King Saul, where the Holy Spirit departed, the Spirit of God left, because um, 
God's favor left him. So we see how um, the Holy Spirit was at work many places doing many things in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, we see the gifts that, that are um, delivered in the New Testament, we see those gifts mentioned in the Old Testament, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, healing, miracles. We see those kind of things in the Old Testament. Yeah. But the difference about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit would leave. But the New Covenant, he is here and he's dwelling with us. And he will never, never leave. The Apostle Paul calls this permanent indwelling the guarantee of our inheritance. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And then 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. I love this verse. God's got our back. If somebody messes with us, he's going to mess with them. The Holy Spirit is equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the Father is revealed to us by Jesus, but Jesus is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. And we see in Scripture there is this harmonious fellowship between the Trinity of God, Father God, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see an example of this when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John. Matthew 3.16, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and acknowledge that they are one in fellowship, in purpose, and in position. So if you were anything like me, you had an understanding or a misunderstanding that the Holy Spirit was an it. If you ever heard him described, sometimes it was with it. It's because... The spirit, um, whenever it was um, translated into our word, it is actually a gender-neutral word, sp spirit. And so a lot of translations actually say it. But can I tell you this morning that Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a thing. He is not shaking and jerking and tongues. He is a person. So Holy Spirit is a person. Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Holy Spirit can experience sorrow. He can experience grief. Now, I'm not saying that Holy Spirit has hands and eyes and ears like we do, like people, but I'm saying that he thinks, he, um, he feels, and he exercises his will, which are generally accepted personality traits. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God in a non-physical form. Holy Spirit is also our helper. John 14, 15, and 16 
If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That word helper right there was actually from a Greek word called parakletos. It means a legal advocate, means that the Holy Spirit is our legal advocate. He's our helper. He's our teacher. And it's so cool because we don't have to pay him hundreds of dollars an hour to be our lawyer. But he's, he's free. And his classroom is always open. And we can go to Holy Spirit and we can ask him anything. And he wants us to ask him anything. He wants us to ask him everything. He wants, he wants us to get to know him. So I encourage you this morning to ask Holy Spirit. Let him teach you things. And he wants us to understand, understand spiritual truths. That's why when you read the word of God, sometimes it's so hard to understand different things, but if you ask Holy Spirit, he will give you understanding. That's what he wants to do. He is our teacher. Thank you, Father. And if you let him, Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. That is his job. He convicts of sin. John 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the work of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life is an ongoing work of sanctification. He is restoring us into the image of God. We also see that the Holy Spirit gives eternal life. In Luke, when the angel came to Mary, she told Mary, or the angel told Mary, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. So we see that the Holy Spirit facilitated the birth of Jesus. He also raised Jesus from the dead. In Romans 8.11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So our new birth in Christ Jesus is impossible without the Holy Spirit. He reveals Jesus to us. He's always pointing us to Jesus. And when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You guys with me this morning? I know it's a lot of scripture. It's a lot to take in, but I just feel like we need this right now. This teaching is so important for where we're going as a nation, as a world. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also empowers us. Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, although Jesus was the creator of the universe... He was fully God. He was fully man. We do not see in scripture that he was doing any signs and miracles and wonders until he was baptized by John in the Jordan River, until we see the Holy Spirit coming on him. So Holy, Jesus needed Holy Spirit. He needed his empowerment. And if Jesus needed the power of God, how much more do we need the power of God? We need him, church. So the Holy Spirit was equipping Jesus for his earthly ministry that would follow. And we see that the Holy Spirit, he wasn't just a tag-along character, but he was in the life of Jesus to empower him in his humanity. He was also um, with him to fulfill the destiny of humanity for us and for our salvation. John said of Jesus, Matthew 3.11, that Jesus will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. 
When we see this word baptism used, it's talking about full immersion, full immersion underwater or un under something. Jesus knew that his disciples would need the power to carry out their mission to be witnesses to the entire world. Okay, a month ago, we celebrated Easter, Resurrect Resurrection Sunday. So Jesus rose from the dead. And we, as we read in scripture, it shows that after he rose from the dead, he was with his disciples for 40 days. And he commanded those disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that his father promised. So we're going to pick up here in Acts 1-4. And while Jesus was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many, not many days from now. So then Jesus ascended into heaven, and the disciples were waiting in the upper room, and it was actually 10 days. So 40 days plus 10. I'm laying this all out for a reason. So this is a total of 50 days. So 50 days from Passover. From Passover, um, Passover was a feast that the Jewish people celebrated when um, they came out of Egypt, when the Lord passed, when the angel of dead, death passed over the doorpost and they were saved and then they were released out of the land of bondage out of Israel. They went through the Red Sea. That was Passover. The next feast that they are told to commemorate was the Feast of Weeks, which is the Feast of Harvest. It's called Shavuot in Hebrew. And this is where they celebrated the first fruits of their harvest, and they would bring it to the Lord. And that's always 50 days after Passover, you have Pentecost. And Pentecost in the Greek means 50. That's where we get the word Pentecost. And so this was the next celebration. And so these Jewish men, it was their duty to go to Jerusalem um, to celebrate this feast, this Feast of Weeks or Passover. Now... It's really, really interesting um, to me, as I was studying for this message, numbers mean something to God. And this, you see types and symbols in the Old Testament that are actually in the New Testament. And I was, you know, I wanted to be able to bring this teaching to you, and if you see um, the, the tongues of fire that go on the disciples' head whenever Pentecost is poured out and they begin to speak in other tongues. It's interesting to me that in Exodus, when Moses ascended the, the mountain to meet with God, God came down in a cloud and surrounded the mountain, but he descended on the mountain in fire. And he spoke to Moses and the people out of thunder. And Moses was told to consecrate, before he went on the mountain, he was told to consecrate the people for three days and three nights, and then ascend the mountain. And it's just so interesting to me, the, the picture that we get in the word of God. If you go back and you study that uh, in Exodus of Moses, I'm telling you, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful imagery of what the disciples were about to experience at Pentecost. That's another thing that the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, so they, they not only celebrate the first fruits, but they also celebrate when Moses went on the mountain and received the word from the Lord. They re he received the law. It's very, very powerful. Let's start in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all 
filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So these devout Jews were in Jerusalem at that time to celebrate the Feast of Weeks or the Pentecost Feast. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each one of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome? both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. So there were a lot of people and a lot of languages there in Jerusalem at that time celebrating that feast of weeks, which is still celebrated today, by the way. By the Jewish people. So last week, um, around 2 a.m., I woke up and I felt like the Lord was giving me um, some things, some teaching. And so I got out my pen and my paper and I just began to write. And one of the things that I feel like he showed me was that the Holy Spirit, we know that the Holy Spirit was a promised gift from God. But it's to us, the bride of Christ. It is a wedding gift. It is a wedding gift. And I want to break this down for you. So in Jewish marriage custom, there are two parts to the marriage custom. There is the betrothal. And that betrothal is something like what we would call an engagement. And that engagement can be any length of time. And that engagement is so much stronger than what we experience here as engagements because if you were to break off that engagement, you would actually have to have a certificate of divorce. So it's like being married without all the married stuff. So at that betrothal, the father of the bride actually comes and gives gifts to the bride-to-be for his son. He actually gives gifts to her and to her family. And we see this. In the story of Abraham, Isaac, and um, concerning Rebekah, the soon-to-be wife of Isaac. So Abraham, the father, sent his servant to find a wife for his son, Isaac, and he found her in Rebekah. And the servant came with gifts for Rebekah and for her family. It's kind of like a dowry. It's, you know, it's a wedding present. And then... It says during that time um, that the groom is away in the Jewish custom. Usually he's going to prepare a house for the bride. He's going to prepare a place for the bride. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for his bride, which is us. So the bride is actually given the gifts, and that's what I felt like the Lord was saying, that those, the Holy Spirit is a gift from him to his bride us, his bride, because he knew that to walk on this earth, we would need supernatural power. And that supernatural power comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers us. We need his power today more than ever before. Thank you, Father. So how do we receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? First of all, you just have to be a believer in Jesus. You have to have accepted him. You have to be his. 
then you just need to receive. And Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one that you need to ask for this, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me, when we continue, when we read in that part of Acts, Peter was actually, he, he was, he just seemed like the weakest man. Remember, he denied Christ three times before being filled with the Holy Spirit. But then after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was able to proclaim Jesus to all of the people that were there in Jerusalem. And 3,000 came to know the Lord that day. So the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to proclaim who he is, to be witnesses of who he is. And we still need that same power today to witness for him. Now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is usually a separate experience than us when, when we get saved. Not always, but usually. Sometimes it happens at the same time. The initial evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism we see in Scripture is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a language that is not our own, and it's an overflow of what the Spirit is doing inside of us. It's just what's happening inside is spilling out. You do not need an interpreter for these tongues, but this is a heavenly language between you and God. It's ecstatic. It's full of joy. It's overwhelming. It edifies you. It strengthens you. And this type of tongues is available to all who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And even Paul encourages us to use it. I know many of us get so hung up on tongues because we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to sound like we're babbling But can I tell you, I would rather look foolish for God and be full of his spirit and his power than be weak and never live up to what he's called me to, never get to walk in the purpose and the destiny that he has on my life because I wasn't filled and baptized with his Holy Spirit. Paul says when he was teaching on the variety of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12.10 that there are various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So I'm going to break those down for you. The personal tongues are between you and God. He knows what you're saying. Usually we have no idea what we're saying. But it edifies you. It strengthens you. And can I tell you that this type of tongue, praying in this type of tongue, has carried me through situations that I did not think I could walk out of, that I literally thought I was going to die. Because it edifies you. It strengthens you. When you don't know what to pray, this is what you want to pray. You want to pray in the spirit with these tongues. It's absolutely powerful. I remember when Ty, my son, he's 18 now, but when he was around three years old, he was riding with someone on a four-wheeler, and he actually, um, they got into an accident, and he broke his femur. Well, when they brought him to the house, his face was swollen out to here, and I didn't know your face could do that. But I was thinking, oh my goodness, he's got brain damage. Like anything, you know, all these thoughts were going through my mind. And I couldn't even pray in English. All I could do was speak in tongues. And it took us about an hour from where we were to get to the hospital. It was that far away. We were visiting family. And the entire time I just prayed in tongues. I really feel like Holy Spirit was keeping me from going in shock. It was so bad. And his little femur was Cracked right in two. It was, it was horrible. But praise God, he's fine. His femur's good. <laughs> Just if you were wanting to know where that was going, he had no brain damage. His face went back. So everything is good. <laughs> um, but those kind of tongues actually carry you through situations that you can't go through on your own. You need help. 
There are tongues that are messages from God, and often they're for a congregation, church setting like we're in now, and you'll hear someone give a word in tongues, and you know it's from God. And that's when you need an interpreter. That's when you need someone with the gift of interpretation to be able to say what God is wanting the church to hear. There's also tongues men heard in their own language that day, like as in the, as in the Jews on Pentecost. Um, they heard their own language being spoken. And it's so cool how this still happens today because missionaries were sent out even from the assemblies of God, and they were sent to places um, given by whatever language they were spoken, given in, um, speaking in tongues. Sorry, I hope that makes sense. But if they were speaking, you know, um, just uh, a Spanish language or something like that, that's where they would get sent to. And we've even heard stories of people being in foreign countries and not knowing the language or anything, but the Holy Spirit actually um, gives them what to say in, um, in tongues, and they're actually declaring who God is to those people in tongues. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. So it is still happening. So tongues are for today. It's for us. I, I want to encourage you because I know sometimes when we, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we'll get like one little word that we say. And sometimes it just is a syllable. It's not even a word. And we're like, la, 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 la. But I want to encourage you to use it. Use that one little word. And the more that you use it, I promise you, the more the Holy Spirit will give you. I was teaching um, this class a Wednesday night about a month ago um, in South Shore. And one of the girls came up to me about two weeks ago. And she said, you know, whenever I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had three things that I said. And I was so embarrassed that those were the only three. I would never say them out loud or pray them. But since you gave, since you taught this class, I've been using it every day. And the Lord keeps giving me more and more and more. And it's so powerful. So I encourage you, don't let the, that one little word that sounds like baby babble stop you. Keep doing it and doing it. And allow the Holy Spirit to pour in you and out of you. Amen? Amen. Dr. Carl Peterson is a brain specialist. And around 2010, he did this research. I'm going to read it to you because I don't see the slide. He did this research. And through his research and testing, Dr. Peterson found that as we pray in the spirit or worship in the spirit, there is activity that begins in the brain. As we engage in our heavenly language, the brain releases two chemical secretions that are directed into our immune system, giving it a 35 to 40 percent boost. This promotes healing within our bodies. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans. It is only activated by our spirit-fed prayer and worship. This, is, this wasn't normal prayer. This was praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. This is the research that he found. So even if you have hear nothing else that I say this morning and you don't want to take my word for it, take his word for it because it's good for your body. And isn't it just like God to design us like that? There would be a place that is only designed for him and our brain that's only activated when we begin to have that supernatural language flow in us. You know, as Adam walked and communicated with God the Father, he was in perfect relationship with him. He was close and intimate. And I just feel like that's what Holy Spirit is for us today. He is for us to have a close and intimate walk with the Father. We can have that again, where our bodies are healed, where, where he teaches us, where he empowers us. We need the Holy Spirit. 
Um, a couple of years ago on our sabbatical, we actually went to Niagara Falls and we took the boat ride down, not even really close to the falls. I mean, you're still quite a ways away, but you get drenched in the water that falls. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a waterfall on us. And if we allow him, he will fall on us. He will immerse us in his presence. He will fill us up inside. But that's where too many times we stop as Christians. We get filled up, but we don't let it overflow. So some of you have been waiting for this gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, gosh, I I guess I just need to tarry like the disciples did. You don't have to tarry any longer. He told the disciples to do that, but he didn't tell us that we have to do that. Ask him. Receive him. And don't stop because you're scared to look foolish when you begin to hear those words and speak those words. Let it flow out of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Could you stand with me this morning? I know that there are some in this room this morning that what I'm saying is absolutely foreign to you. And you would even say to me, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know Jesus, much less Holy Spirit or whatever you're talking about. And there are some of you that are so full of guilt. You're so full of condemnation. You're so heavy. But this morning, I'm telling you, there is freedom in Jesus. There is freedom that he gives us when we receive him. So could you close your eyes this morning? If that is you that I'm speaking to in this room and you would like to accept Christ, the sacrifice that he made on the cross, it was for you and for I. He made it for us. Thank you, Jesus. So if that's you this morning, would you lift your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these hands. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Father. So would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that your son Jesus made for dying on the cross for me. And I ask you, Jesus, to come inside of me, to live inside of me. I surrender my life to you, and I ask you to forgive me for any sin that I've ever done. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you put your hands together for those people? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you. Thank you for your bravery in lifting your hand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Your life never has to be the same. But that's not it. There's more. There's more because he promised us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here this morning. He's in this place, and he wants to fill each one of us, each one of us, regardless of your background, regardless of if you believed in him or not, whatever. He doesn't care. He wants to fill you. Thank you, Jesus. So could you lift your hands in a posture to receive, and I'm just going to pray over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I ask Jesus this morning that you would baptize every person under the sound of my voice this morning in your Holy Spirit. Precious Holy Spirit, you are a gift. 
You are the most wonderful gift. Thank you. Thank you that you have, you are here with us, that we never have to be alone. You fill us, you empower us. And just being with you is so wonderful. And I ask that every person this morning will experience you. Thank you for watching this message today. We ask that you hit the subscribe button and share this message on all social platforms. Man, we are hoping that you were encouraged and blessed by what you heard. And we cannot wait to see you next time.